0: Chapter 30 of History of Philosophy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. History of Philosophy by William Turner. Chapter 30 St. Anselm. Life. St. Anselm is a type of scholastic altogether different from Rosselin and Abelard. He was born at Aosta in Lombardy in 1033. In 1060 he entered the monastery of Beck. In 1078 he succeeded Lanfranc as abbot of Beck, and in 1093 became Lanfranc's successor in the archiepiscopal See of Canterbury. As primate of England he resisted with extraordinary firmness the encroachments of the secular power. He died in 1109, his life, written by his friend and disciple, Eadmer, a monk of Canterbury, is published by Mean. Sources: The works of St. Anselm include the following treatises: Monologium, Proslogium, De Veritate, di Libero Arbitria, di fe De Fide Trinitatis, against Rosalind, Cur Deus Homo, on Redemption and Atonement, De Incarnatione Verbi, and Dialogus di Grammatico. Among recent additions to our secondary sources, mention must be made of Rules, Life and Times of St. Anselm, two volumes, London, 1883, and Vigna, St. Anselmo Filosofo, Milan, 1899, Rig, St. Anselm of Canterbury, London, 1896, Doctrines, problem of universals st anselm seems to have attempted a compromise between the exaggerated realism of erigena and the nominalism of rosselin he is a realist as appears from his refutation of rosselin and from his use of the term substance to designate the universal but what is his precise position as to the manner in which the universal exists outside the mind in the first place, he is clearly and unmistakably an Augustinian Platonist as to the existence of universals, anti-rem, in the mind of God. In the second place, he speaks of goodness, and what he says of goodness he implies to be true of other universals as existing in diversis, sive in illis, aequaliter, sive inequalita considereretur. It is impossible to determine more accurately st anselm's doctrine of universals because apparently he did not succeed in finding a more definitive answer to porphyry's questions when however he called attention to the sensism latent in rosselin's nominalism and when as in monologium ten he insisted on the distinction between sense by which the singular is perceived and intellect by which the universal is known he prepared the way for the moderate realism which is based on a psychological analysis and which could never have been discovered by means of dialectical disputes of rosselin and abelard relation of philosophy to theology faith and reason far from contradicting each other aid each other intelligio ut credem has for its complement credum ut intelligam. Reason, of itself feeble and liable to error, is illuminated by the supernatural light of faith, so that new fields of inquiry opened to it by revelation are not beyond its scope. Indeed, Saint Anselm attaches more importance to the credo ut intelligam than to the intelligo ut credam. The relationship between reason and revelation between philosophy and theology is further illustrated by the following principles rectus ordo exigit ut profunda christianae fidei credamus priusquam i presamumus ratione discutere negligentiae mihi esse videtur si postquan confirmati sumus in fide. Non studemus, quod credimus intelligere. The Credo ut intelligam is evidently an echo of St. Augustine's Credo ut intelligas. The Intelligo ut credam is the formula of scholasticism, the justification of the use of dialectic, and of the application of dialectic to dogma within the limits of orthodoxy. It is interesting to note in St. Anselm's philosophy the development of another element, which is essential to scholasticism, as is the use of dialectic, namely the union of faith and reason, of theology and philosophy. Herigena united the two sciences by identifying them. St. Anselm recognizes that they cannot contradict each other, yet he contends that each has its separate sphere. It was left for the masters of scholasticism in the thirteenth century to trace the lines by which the field of theological inquiry is marked off from the domain of philosophy. St. Anselm's Method. St. Anselm adheres closely to the doctrines of St. Augustine. He states explicitly that Saint Augustine is his favourite author, and that he never said anything which could not be corroborated. By the writings and sayings of the Bishop of Hippo. We are not surprised, therefore, to find that both in his philosophical method and in the contents of his philosophy, Anselm reproduces the Christian Platonism of St. Augustine. God and the human soul are, for him, as they were for his favourite author, the great subjects of inquiry. Noverim me, noverim te. He starts, for example, with the idea of the good, the just, the great, and rises by what has sometimes been called Platonic induction to the idea of goodness, justice, greatness, to the idea of God. Odyssey. In the opening chapters of the Monologium, Anselm recites the various Platonic and Augustinian arguments for the existence of God. From the necessity of a permanent, immutable standard of justice, goodness, etc, from the evidences of order in the universe, and from the gradation of beings. While acknowledging the force of these arguments, Saint Anselm, as he tells us, in the proemium to the Proslogium, began to inquire whether an argument could not be found which would of itself be sufficient to prove the existence of God such a proof he finally discovered and formulated in the Proslogium. it is known as the ontological argument and is as follows we define god as a being than which nothing greater can be thought now there is in the mind the idea of such a being but such a being must exist outside the mind for if it did not it would not be that than which nothing greater can be thought therefore God exists not only in the mind as an idea but also outside the mind as a reality st. Anselm presents the argument in two slightly different forms the resume just given is a brief form of the argument as it occurs in the third chapter of the Proslogium. Anselm in formulating the argument alluded to the fool incipiens who according to the psalmist hath said in his heart there is no god gaunilo a monk of the monastery of marmutier criticized the argument in a work entitled liber pro incipienti to which anselm replied in a liber apologeticus contra gaunilonem the controversy was conducted with the greatest courtesy gaunilo acknowledged the merit of st anselm's work and Anselm praised his adversary and thanked him for his criticism. At a later time, St. Thomas examined the ontological argument of St. Anselm and called attention to what is really the fatal flaw in every ontological proof, the transition from the ideal to the real, from the world of thought to the world of things. Albertus Magnus neither approved nor disapproved the argument. St. Bonaventure did not mention it. Dun Scotus adopted it and endeavored to give it greater strength occam and Gerson rejected it and in modern times it has been renewed in a slightly different form by descartes and Leibniz. of kant's criticism of the argument mention will be made in the proper place it is necessary to remark that in a philosophy based on the ultra-realistic doctrine of the universals according to which the highest ideas of the human mind substance, body, etc., as well as the generic concepts, animal, plant, etc., are realities existing as such. One may consistently maintain that the highest and most perfect of all our ideas, the idea of a being than which nothing greater can be thought, necessarily possesses objective reality. From the idea of God as supremely perfect, quo nihil maius cogitari potest, St. Anselm deduces a whole system of natural theology. God is infinite, eternal, the sum of all perfection, the origin of all created being. Psychological doctrines. St. Anselm did not compose a separate treatise on psychology. The points of doctrine which are here gathered under the title Psychological Doctrines are found scattered through his different works. For example, in the Monologium, he describes in general terms the origin of ideas quam cumque rem mens sea pur corporis imaginationem se cupit veraciter cogitare eius utique similtudinem quantum valet in ipsa sua cogitatione canuto exprimere from which one may conclude that our philosopher rejecting the doctrine of innatism teaches that our ideas are formed from things by the abstractive power of the mind by the words imago exprimere etc he suggests the doctrine of intentional species which afterwards became so well known in the schools in the treatise di veritate saint anselm distinguishes three kinds of truth veritas enunciatonis veritas cogitationis and veritas voluntatis a preposition is true when it expresses the relation existing between things a thought is true when we judge cogitamus, that to be which is and that not to be which is not The will is true when we will what we ought to will the truth of the will is moral rectitude in fact truth of whatever kind is rectitude truth may therefore be defined rectituda solamente perceptibilis in the monologium he speaks of the immortality of the soul in his treatment of this as well as of other questions he deals chiefly with the religious and moral aspect of the problem arguing that the soul is immortal because otherwise it could not love and enjoy god for all eternity saint anselm attached special importance to the will and its freedom devoting to this subject the incomplete treatise de libero arbitrio and the more comprehensive work de concordia praesentiae cum libero arbitrio in these treatises he is concerned not so much with proving that the will is free as with showing that freedom does not consist in the power of sinning that no will is so free as that of the righteous man and that neither temptation nor sin can take away our freedom so long as we live moral doctrines like st augustine st anselm is at pains to show that evil is merely the absence or negation of good Passing from the notion of evil to that of moral good, Rectitudo, he identifies the latter with justice. Man, he teaches, should do good for the sake of the good itself. Propter ipsam rectitudinum. Herein, Anselm's teaching apparently approaches very near to the Kantian doctrine of autonomous will and moral purism. The resemblance is, however, merely apparent. St. Anselm never intended us to forget that, while the good for its own sake is the immediate motive of action, the ultimate reason of all moral action is the will of God. Moral evil, injustitia, since it is a negation, does not require a cause. Physical evil, such as pain, blindness, etc., which St. Anselm calls incommodum, may be a positive thing, and may be caused by god historical position perhaps the most important of all the theological treatises of the middle ages before the time of st thomas is saint anselm's cor Deus homo a work in which is propounded the catholic doctrine of redemption and atonement saint anselm as a theologian does not however interest us here as a philosopher he is best known by his ontological argument which is his most important contribution to philosophy the argument is one of many indications of the similarity of our philosophers method and spirit to the method and spirit of saint augustine saint anselm has been styled the last of the fathers the augustine of the eleventh century and indeed one cannot fail to observe the tendency of his mind to take the augustinian which is ultimately the platonic view of philosophical method to proceed by way of descent from the higher to the lower rather than by way of ascent from the lower to the higher in human thought and human knowledge still our saint is a genuine scholastic a continuator of the tradition of the schools a precursor of albert and st thomas a genuine representative of the Neo-Latin civilization, He is the monk philosopher. His lifelong training in the cloister left its impress on his character as a man and on the style as well as the contents of his philosophical works. End of chapter 30